Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast Retro Life for You Movies and More. You like it, Tim? Sure. Movies and yep. More. Movies and More. I like it. We are we are branching out, everybody. We are branching <laughs> out and just making it clear what we are movies, but so much more. Always more. Always more. Uh, welcome back to the show with tonight, if you will, Mr. Tim Williams, 80s flick flashback. Stepping in for uh, the missing Travis Rollins. <laughs> I, last I heard, he was spotted in Texas, then Louisiana. And I think he made his way back home to South Carolina. I'm not quite sure, but um, I'll hear from him eventually. <laughs> well, always a pleasure to be here, even if <laughs> Travis can't be. So thank you, Travis, for not being here. That's right. <laughs> oh my! Uh, we always play your uh, your thing midway through here, but go ahead and tell right. everybody what you do here again. So the '80s flick flashback podcast is for everyone who grew up uh, loving the '80s movies or maybe discovered them later. But these are movies that we, uh, as in my childhood, either saw at the movie theater, saw on cable, or rented on VHS tapes at video, video rental stores that no longer exist. And so uh, me and a, uh, another 80s flick loving co-host, we get together. People like uh, Chris Adams, of course, has been on the one of the most recent episodes. And uh, we talk about our first time watch memories, favorite scenes and learn some behind the scenes facts and trivia along the way. So you definitely check us out. Comes out every other week, every other Friday. And we're currently in our summer of sequels series. Uh, so we've done uh we did Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and then Chris joined me for a European vacation. And coming up next, we're doing Rambo First Blood Part 2. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about uh, that one will drop this coming Friday. So that's going to be a good one. Awesome. Awesome. If you're a first-time listener to the show tuning in this week, uh, make sure you look for us on social media. You can find us at Instagram and Facebook at Retro Life, the number four Y-O-U, and we are on TikTok as well. I'm just not very prevalent on TikTok. I can't make myself <laughs> sit down and make TikTok videos. Yeah. Uh, my hat's yeah. off to the ones who can do it and you know, do it well and be consistent with it. I, I think it's more of a time issue than anything. It is, me. yeah. yeah. I, I had a good run when I first started on TikTok, and I did a couple of series that I just kind of made templates that I just kind of built a lot mm -hmm. of content over and over again. Uh, but you, but it still, it takes time to do and you got to have the time to do it. And so when I don't really post as much now as I used to, I still try to do stuff every once in a while just to kind of keep it active. But yeah, I'm not, I'm still not as heavy on TikTok as I am on Instagram was probably my number one. Facebook's a close second. And I would probably say uh, TikTok is even more active than my Twitter. My Twitter is not active at all. <laughs> Man, Twitter these, Twitter these days is not for us. I don't think right. It's, yeah. it's not. It's it's become more political than anything. So mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to get on there and uh, put your podcast out. Now it, it might be worthy of using to reach out to people mm -hmm. if you're trying to find someone to come on a show. Right. I think it's kind of good for that. The TikTok when I first started. I, I was shocked at a couple of videos that I put out there that did really well. And mm -hmm. before I knew it, I had like 2,000 or 2,100 followers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it just hit a brick wall. That's that's how the alg algorithm works. It it sucks you in at the beginning of saying, look at all these followers you have. And then, and then it starts hiding your videos and it's not get, catching the algorithm like it was before. So yeah. I... I you know, I'm, I don't like playing those games. I'm just like, I put my stuff out there. If people are supposed to see it, they'll see it, and we'll go from there. Best thing we can do is what we do now, man. Word of mouth, promoting each other, uh, you know, things of that nature with social media. It's the best possible way we can do. Find some good groups to get into, yep. tell people about ourselves. Talk. I'm just now getting to the point where I'm talking locally about myself. Well, that's uh, good. I have not really put much time into it because I thought it wasn't the way to go, but I get to think, got to thinking about it, you know, uh, Another guy that co-hosted here, Brian Sign, with me one time said, make sure you get local. you got to get local. Put your name out there. Talk to people. Mm -hmm. Let them know what you do. Have business cards, which I don't yet. Mm -hmm. I will. And he said, leave one everywhere you go. Don't matter. He said, just <laughs> stick it somewhere. You know, right, somebody will see right. it and they're like, hey, let's check him out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but hey, uh, this week we are going to do The Great Outdoors. Oh, I've, yeah. been, I've been wanting to get another good comedy in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Great Outdoors was one of my favorites of John Candy. Absolutely. 
rental was. Summer rental was a good one too. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, the great I outdoors. When summertime hits, it's like the great outdoors is a movie you just have to sit down and rewatch. <laughs> you really do. It's yeah. a great summertime flick. Uh, it's got him. Uh, we've got Dan Aykroyd in it with him as well. Oh yeah. Uh, those two together put on a pretty good show. Dan Aykroyd's kind of funny on his own, but I mean, they put on a really good deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, the storyline based on it, for those of you who might not have seen it, I'm going to just read you a quick synopsis of IMDb, what it says about it. And it says, nostalgic about the good old days in the honeymoon cabin, the patriarch Chet and the Ripley family set off to the idyllic woods of Wisconsin for the summer vacation. However, their plans for a peaceful family bonding in the heart of the untamed nature will be thwarted when the high-rolling brother-in-law, Roman, and the snotty Craig family decide to crash the party. Mm. Eventually, as the two families try to have a good time together, a seemingly endless series of misfortunes and many disasters with thirsty leeches, cunning <laughs> raccoons, I love the raccoons, yeah, and a mythical wild bear threaten to ruin the vacation, what will it take to salvage the weekend? The bear story to begin with. Now, mm-hmm. Tim, if you remember, he's telling the the, the scary story to the kids oh, yeah, yeah. and the family about the yep. bear and how he shot at the bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, the kids like, well, Dad, did you kill it? Did it get it? Is he is he alive? <laughs> he's like, well, you know, a shotgun like that's not going to really kill a bear that size, you know. But right. when I shot it, it kind of skinned the hair off the top of his right. head. Right, right. So now it's the bald-headed bear of such and such county, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. men's looking to kill people. It's, it it thirsts for man blood. <laughs> then he throws the alcohol in the fire and sets the flames real high mm-hmm. and scares everybody to death. Um, the and bear, Roman, is a, <laughs> yeah. Roman's reaction is so is so great when that when that happens. Is like, oh, could have given me a heart attack. You know? Yeah, <laughs> five extra pounds on you. Think my ticker needs something like that? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> No, uh, John Candy plays a role like this real well. Oh, for sure, yeah. This is the one thing that stands out about him. I mean, a lot of people they'll they'll say, you know, well, he he's always a good natured kind of hearty guy, laughs a lot, and cracks some jokes, and but he's kind of like a real big family kind of guy, took like a big mm-hmm. teddy bear in a way, you know. This movie shows it. Uh, Summer Rental shows it. Uh, really and truly. Um, Planes, trains, and automobiles kind of shows that same kind of feel to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just overbearing and tries too hard in that movie as a character, I guess. But he still right. has that same kind of, you know, family kind of guy feel. He's talking about his wife all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to go into that story. It's a different movie, different time. Right. I don't want to, and not to ruin anything for anybody. But uh, it, it was really, it's just really fun. The movie starts off. It, it kicks off. They're going down the road. And they got the Yakety Yak song playing. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know whether the, to really remember this or think of Arnold Schwarzenegger on a plane and twins singing, <laughs> you know. I'm not Travis. I can't do the Arnold voice. So I'm not going to do it. But he will sing the take out the papers in the trash verse mm-hmm. and kind of nail it. Uh, <laughs> but that's what the first thing I think of. And then this movie second, unfortunately. Uh, when was the first time you seen this? Do you remember? I mean, did you see it at the theaters? Um I am pretty sure, yes, that I saw this in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was 88. Yeah, I would have been living in Maryland. I think I saw this at the military theater on base that we had that was just like a single projection, like just a single theater, only played one movie, and they would have like certain movies during the week, and then like the weekend would be like whatever the bigger movie of the that had been out for a while. But it was never like first-run movies. It was stuff that had kind of – already made its way through the main, you know, its main cycle in the theaters. Like today, right. it's right before it goes uh, streaming or direct to video, it would hit. And so I think this was one that was like a Friday night, Saturday showing because it was a PG movie. So more like family, family friendly or whatever. Um, and so I think my family and I, we went and saw it and we really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've got some stories I'll tell as we talk about the movie, but uh, we there's some things in this movie that rang true with my family. So it's probably why it's one of our favorites that we love to watch uh, every couple of years. We'll, we'll throw it on and just reminisce about seeing it for the first time and some of the, the funny stories. I do believe it was theater. I saw it too, as well. Um, mm-hmm. I had a one main one I went to here locally for, you know, the main, you know, the first run movies mm-hmm. at that time frame. 
And uh, we went there for that. It was right across from one of the local malls, which are kind of unheard of these days. Mm -hmm. A dying thing in itself is a mall. You don't see very many (laughs) good ones anymore, don't seem like. Um, But I do remember watching it with some friends. We would go out every weekend. We'd catch another one, a new flick, whatever was out. And we all loved a good comedy. Mm -hmm. This was right down our alley, and it was really fun to watch. Um, John Candy, as far as an actor, what's your favorite movie with John Candy? Who I, I kind of feel I thought you were going to ask this question and I didn't want to answer it, but I'm going to going to anyway. It's I hard. think it's hard. The, I I have. I think it's hard to top planes, trains, and automobiles, mm-hmm. just because I think that's the one movie where yes, it was he was funny, but I think the 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 seriousness and the heart of him really shone through above the the comedy um but like my top four are gonna be planes trains automobiles great outdoors summer rental and uh uncle buck those are when i think of the quintessential john candy movies those are the four that i tend to think of first i'm sure i'm leaving out other ones that are really good but those are the ones that i remember have really stuck with me over the years. Like there's armed and dangerous him and Eugene Levy. That's really funny. I watched that a couple of years ago or a couple of months mm-hmm. ago. Um, yeah. uh, what's eating. Not, oh, what, uh, what is it? Uh, who's Harry Crumb? I think who's came Harry out Crumb. later. That one wasn't as good. You know, the, the straight comedy ones are fun, but the ones where you kind of see his heart. And like you said, being the father figure, the dad, the husband, the, you know, the uncle that those, those, he's such a great family relations actor like how he interacts with the kid he's like the big kid that, right. that that they love and like he's lovable um so those are the four that i think really stand out for me what about you i i'm three of your the three of the four you mentioned i've mm-hmm. got as well but my fourth one uh and I, I guess i should say what the three are shouldn't i <laughs> yeah um, obviously don't leave us hanging man don't leave you hanging uh summer rental i, mm-hmm. I told you before i love summer rental i do mm-hmm. love planes trains and automobiles it's the it's the only movie for Thanksgiving that I can think of Yep, yep. that I did. It really stands out. And if there is more, which I'm sure there is, it doesn't matter because this takes everything. Uh, but summer rental planes, trains, automobiles, uh, great outdoors, which we're doing today. And the other one may not be considered a John Candy movie per mm-hmm. se, but he is in it and plays a prominent role. He's like, a, he may be the co-star, but mm-hmm. Brewster, uh, Brewster's millions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is uh, Richard Pryor is the other one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Richard Pryor is the star of the movie. You know, he's right, one that plays the main main role. But John Candy's in it the whole time. He's like his right hand oh, yeah. man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of like those. Like, he's been in so many others, uh, mm-hmm. and as like supporting roles. Yeah, the uh, supporting roles for sure. Like Brewster's Millions, Splash. He's fantastic Splash. in Splash. Um, uh, I love his little cameo in Little Shop of Horrors is a lot of fun. His cameo, I would you call them cameos in the Blues Brothers uh, vacation. Park is closed, folks. I mean, that's one of the best <laughs> little pop-up moments. And then he's great. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Spaceballs. I appreciate it for what it is. It hasn't yeah. it hasn't held up over the years as much as I I've loved it as a kid. But I mean, he played uh Barf, which was fa- was fantastic, so he was good. Right, at that. but it doesn't stand out as much as the other Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, did. that's yeah. why people say. It. I mean, it's it, it's funny. It's a fun play on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is. It's fun to do. One of these days, I'm doing this baseballs podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, but you know, that's not his best thing at all. Yeah, uh, he also had a, a a small cameo in Home Alone. He did. Yep. Gus yep. Gus Polinski. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, do you remember the movie Nothing But Trouble? Uh, I just watched that for the first time a couple of months ago because I remember when it came out, but I remember how panned it got by the critics and people talked about how bad it was. So, I never really wanted to watch it, but it, it pops up on a lot of you know lists of the worst movies ever made and biggest bombs or whatever. And uh, so, and I love Chevy Chase. I love Dan Aykroyd. I love you know you know Demi Moore. All the stars in it. So, I finally actually found it on one of the streaming services a couple of months ago and I watched it and I understand why it did not do well. <laughs> it's not a great movie, uh, but it, yeah, but it's fun. Uh, another, one, another one of his that I will say that I, I tend to forget about, but 
is well, if I have a if I have a fifth movie, this would probably be number five, but it's not an '80s movie, and that's Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings and that's is one okay. of my favorite is one of my favorite John Candy movies as well. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an '80s movie. You know, here oh, yeah, we, do yeah. 80s, we do '80s and '90s here. Well, you know, I'm '80s quick flashback. So. I'm trying to be tr- stay on brand, but you know. I, true, exactly. <laughs> I do fully understand that. But see, when you come on here, you get to branch out, right? Free. right you get right. to be like, I get to spread my wings and fly further yeah. now. You know, it's not just '80s; it's '90s. And yeah, hey, if you want to talk about a late '70s or an early 2000s, like right, I said right. before, if you got that wild hair that pops up, there you go. This <laughs> is the go. place to go. That's it. So, um. The rest of the cast, so I'll, we'll, we'll jump to Dan Aykroyd for a second mm-hmm. and knock out a few of his. Of course, obviously, Blues Brothers, uh, yep. Dragnet. Yeah. That was, Dragnet was always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Boy, his role in Tommy Boy. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, that was a very, fun, a very fun character, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think of, I started to say, when you think of Dan Aykroyd, what's the first thing you think of? And obviously, the first thing most people think of, other than SNL, is Ghostbusters. Yep. I was going to say Ghostbusters is definitely up there. Yeah, I mean, you got to think of Ghostbusters. That's the one of the biggest things I can think of in the eighties mm-hmm. that really and truly stands out. That was probably that was probably my first introduction to Dan Aykroyd was Ghostbusters mm-hmm. because I really didn't watch Saturday Night Live that early. Um, but yeah, so Ghostbusters was probably the first movie I saw with them in it. And of course, I love him and Chevy Chase and Spies Like Us. That's another fun one. Yes, spies like us, coneheads. The, <laughs> my the dad, coneheads. My dad was watching that earlier today. I was like, "Are you watching the coneheads?" It was, was on it like really one of the one of the like TBS or TNT or one of those. I was like, yeah. they, even, they still show that on TV." But yeah, that's awesome. He was watching it. Yeah, and, and of course, that being speaking of SNL, S, SNL skit being the coneheads. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yep, yep. So, a lot of good alumni from the show have come up with that had their skits and their transformed into movies and done well with them. That's just one example. People mm. liked the people did like now. I, I was I didn't care for the cone hits. That wasn't a favorite skit of mine by any means. No. I didn't really I didn't it didn't carry me over to the movie either. Um I watched just a little bit. It was him and Jane Curtin. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing with him and Jane Curtin for me is SNL when they're doing the news bit. Yeah. And yep. and everybody knows <laughs> Jane, that if you ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've watched SNL you know that infamous part. Right. Coming out. So it's great, but I mean, he doesn't. He didn't do a ton of stuff. He didn't do a ton of movies, really and truly. But he did some good ones, though. The ones that he did, yeah. So rest of the cast standing out here, though. There's not a, a lot of them out here. Really, don't jump out at me. Stephanie Pharisee played Connie mm-hmm. Ripley, Chet's wife. Right. Do you remember her from anything else? Um, she definitely looks familiar. I went, was looking through her filmography. Probably the only other thing that I might have recognized her from when this came out was, and I'm scrolling down, I'm scrolling down. Uh, a lot of TV series. Yeah. A lot of TV series. She was in blind date with, uh, Bruce Willis. I probably saw her in that. But that was probably from TV before that. Yeah. Cause she was on Magnum PI, Murder She Wrote. Um, she was in Hocus Boat. Pocus too. If you if you liked that, yeah, uh, I wasn't I big on Hocus Pocus. I didn't see that until much later. Um, I've never seen it at all. Oh well, not not gonna lie, I've not seen. <laughs> there's some movies that even Travis will shake his head at me and say, "I can't mm-hmm. believe you haven't watched that movie yet." Man. Yeah, I only, that's, that's one of them. Yeah, I only watched it recently because they did the sequel on Disney Plus, and my daughter mm-hmm. wanted to watch it, so we watched the first one and then watched the second one. So. Uh, yeah, she but, seems more just a career actress doing mm-hmm. uh, TV spots, TV movies. Yeah, and maybe a couple of you know movies here and there. But her right. her bread and butter seems to be TV, from what mm-hmm. I can see. And she's been in a lot of great series, you know, yep. playing roles in them. So that's uh, that's definitely a way to go. Most people would say they prefer to be a steady actor or actress mm-hmm. or something like this, and they would have in a couple of hits and be gone. Right. So I definitely understand that. Uh, Annette Benning is a more familiar name. She yep. played Kate Craig, uh, uh, Roman's wife, Dan Aykroyd, in the movie. Right. So uh, she's been in quite a few things after now. I did not realize at first that was Annette Benning. <laughs> uh, it just didn't stand out to me that was her, and I've seen her in other things. Right. But that was not one that I would tell you I recognized her from by any means. Oh, yeah. Well, this was her, her feature film debut. So, of course, when I saw it, you know, when I was a kid, when I first came out, I didn't know who she was. 
it wasn't until I rewatched it probably, you know, 10 years, 10 or 15 years ago. I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that was Annette Benning in that role because she had done so many other things since then. Right. But, uh, but yeah, this was, and this is kind of interesting as a uh, first role for her because she's really more known as a dramatic actress, not comedy, but for her to get this role, which I think she's, she's pretty good in it. But, you know, of course she did postcards from the edge regarding Henry with Harrison Ford. Of course she met and married, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh gosh, I can't think of his name. Sorry. Uh, Warren Beatty. I'm sorry. When they did Bugsy yeah. in 91, that's what I was trying to think of. So I may um, be confusing her with somebody else. Okay. Uh, and I think I am, but there was a movie with Kevin Costner. Which one? Oh. <laughs> He's done a couple. No, I know. And it seems like it's gets. Oh, you know what? I am mistaking her with somebody else. Okay. I can I I um I can see the woman's face in my head right now. It seems like her name is Sean Young or something like that. Okay. In uh, No Way Out. No Way Out. Yeah. Yep. yep. That was That's it. Sean, that I am confusing her with somebody else. Yeah. But they kind of. She, yeah. And in the picture I'm looking at of her, they kind of favor. So I mean. Mm. It's kind of, in, in a way, it's kind of, it was easy for me to kind of confuse her for her in a bit. <laughs> I'm old, everybody, okay? Give it me happens. a break. It happens. Well, she she was with uh, Kevin Costner in Open Range in 2003. So she did do a movie with Costner, but I'm sure that's not what you're thinking of. No. But, but more recently, she, of course, she was in Captain Marvel. It's probably like her one of her bigger roles recently. But, but yeah, she was fun. Well, let's see. And we get the kids here. We got uh, Buck Ripley and Ben mm-hmm. Ripley. We got Chris Young and Ian Michael. That Giotti. Giotti. Now sure. the Ian Michael Giotti. I do remember him from some other shows, some other other movies. He's kind of familiar. And really, I see. I, I'm the exact opposite. I know Chris Young for more stuff than I remember. Ian Ben. Giotti. So, let's so I'll tell you what. You take Chris Young. Tell me where you see him. Where you see him from? And I'll go with the. Uh, in there uh well there was a movie that's not very well known but i remember going to the theater to see it it came out in 1990 i think called the book of love it was set in like the 50s and he was the main character in that and it's really funny uh him and uh someone you interviewed on your podcast uh him and keith coogan were co-stars and book of love yeah Um, he was also on a movie called pcu he was on a like a TV movie called Dance Till Dawn that came out around the same time. I remember him being on that. He was on the Max Headroom TV show. He did a lot of TV stuff. He was on Step by Step, uh, the ABC TV show. He mm-hmm. did an episode of Married with Children. He was actually on an episode of Friends, believe it or not, much later in his uh, career. But uh, but yeah, so those are things that I remember him from. All right, but, that's cool. He that's how he says he's been around at least for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Now the other one that we were talking about for the other kid, Ian Michael Giotti. Mm-hmm. We're gonna say Giotti. That sounds right. Sounds good. Um, I do remember seeing him in the Rescue, nineteen eighty-eight. Um, you may or may oh, not. Oh, I remember, remember that, that one. one. Yeah, I remember that yeah. movie. Okay. Yeah, that was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I have a guilty pleasure movie. We had an episode one we did long time ago about guilty mm-hmm. pleasure movies. And uh, one of my guilty pleasure movies was Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> I've seen never that seen one. it. Seen it. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker and Helen Hunt. Right, right. Um, but um, he played the younger brother. Okay. To uh, Sarah Jessica Parker in the movie. I did. That's another, one of the other places I remembered him from was that right there. He's also been in some TV shows. Uh, he mm-hmm. did episodes of St. Elsewhere, Highway to Heaven, Facts of Life, Hill Street Blues, I, I do remember him from Highway to Heaven. I seen that show not too long ago, actually, because I like to rewatch, you know. Okay. But um, hadn't been too long since I've seen him on that. Didn't watch Hill Street Blues. I can't say nothing about that, really. But, mm-hmm. He was on Matt um, Houston. I remember watching Matt Houston back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Matt Houston, TV series. He played some kid named Arnold. Uh, <laughs> and really and truly, he hasn't done a whole lot since then. No, uh, twenty no. And 28, he went from 2001 all the way to 2018 and in 2018 he did one episode of seal team okay so that's quite a good distance between point a and point b from the acting career right. i don't know if he pursues an acting career actively or if you know it's just something that happened to come up from somebody he knew threw it out there to him mm-hmm. who knows but um yeah so the 
one of the things that cracked me up about the movie were the twins. Yeah. <laughs> when they first got there, when when the Ripley family first arrives at the cabin that they're mm-hmm. going to, and they're out there and they're looking at everything and Chet and Connie's in the cabin and the two two kids, Buck and Ben, they're out there at the lake looking at the water and everything. They go back to the kids and Buck and Ben are talking and 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 Buck goes something feels weird yeah he's like yeah God, you do you, you feel it he goes mm-hmm. i do and then they turn around and they look and they're like oh no mm-hmm. and those two little twin girls are just staring at him and all i could think of are the two little twin girls you know like from the shining <laughs> yes the shining I, could, I, I get to laugh and i couldn't get the word out uh, right the two girls from the shining they just they just stare at you like mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. uncomfortably yep so, uh, and I don't know that they, uh, you know, there's no pictures of them on IMDb. Right. I, I wonder if they were like a one and done kind of deal. They, the only other thing they did was the Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford and River Phoenix, like a couple of years later. And that's it. Yeah. That wasn't for them, it looks like. Yeah. Well, is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this movie, let's scroll down and take a quick look here. What this movie did. We got 1988. We've already said that. June 17th, 1988 was the release date. The box office budget was $24 million estimated. Mm-hmm. The gross worldwide was $43,455,230. So I, I don't know what really and truly equals a success. I mean, it made money. It was it was not a box office success, but it did uh once it hit video, it became much more popular. So and that's you know, that's the story with a lot of 80s movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is saying something about the time and right. about uh people not maybe being able to afford going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Or if it just says that people were like, you know, it looks pretty good, but it don't look buying a movie ticket good. Maybe that was it. I mean, I don't know. Quite a few movies, like we said, have done this. The Last Starfighter is a prime example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like throwing that in somewhere if I can. Last Starfighter. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that, that was a prime example. It didn't do great at the box office, but over the years, it blew up on VHS. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I think I would take that though. I mean, especially if I got a bit of the VHS sales. I mean, I would definitely love that. Right. I don't think I don't think that happens for them, but the the notoriety they get at least and the recognition for doing it, it was, as it blows up like that. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up to see what came out around the same time. What was the date you said? Night uh, June seventeenth, nineteen eighty eight. Okay. So. Yeah, it was kind of up against some tough competition. Give me the whole, let's see. So Rambo 3 and Red Heat were both in the box office at the same time. All right. So hold on, let me go back. Sorry, bear with me. As they say, this is the part of the podcast where Tim Googles. Um, (laughs) Hold on. While you Google... Okay, I got it now. Oh, oh darn it. Did, did I take too long? I was going to no. say, while you while you Google. Oh. <laughs> That'll work. Cool. All right. So, Great Outdoors opened the same week as Red Heat, which debuted at number one. Bull Durham, which debuted at number five. And a movie called A World Apart, which came at 13. But the other movies at the box office that week that were in the top 10, Big with Tom Hanks was on its second week. Wow. Crocodile Dundee 2 was uh, number four in its second week. Or it was a like Big was in its third week. Crocodile Dundee was in its second week. Big Business with, uh, was that uh, Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler, I think? Right. That was at number six in its fourth week. Willow was number eight. Funny Farm with Chevy Chase was number seven. The Presidio with Sean Connery uh, and Mark Harmon was number nine. And then Good Rambo movie. three was in num- was number 10. So that's some pretty stiff competition in the summer of 88. So, But it debuted at number three. So it's not terrible, but 
you're up against Tom Hanks and Big, Crocodile Dundee 2, Red Heap, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and was that um was that Jim Belushi in that one, right? Yeah, so it was. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, it's probably one of those movies that just kind of fell through the cracks in the summertime where it just didn't have that same big blockbuster kind of uh kind of a weekend but you know if you think about it with all the competition it had out there it made some great money for that oh yeah. i mean yeah take away about four of those movies mm-hmm. take you know take red heat away because it's arnold yeah right. take rambo away because it's stallone <laughs> right i mean seriously uh what was the other big ones big big Crocod- take- yeah, Cro- crocodile dundee 2 all right so take big and crocodile dundee 2 away because crocodile dundee 2 uh was kind of a one of those things people were kind of waiting for to come on out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh big was so popular and so yeah, huge but, at the time everyone big loved was, it b- yeah big was like that surprise hit i think i think they probably when they were releasing it they think oh big is not gonna hold the box office that second week we probably We'll do okay. Counter counter programming against Red Heat, you know, PG movie versus an R-rated movie, more family friendly or whatever. Uh, and then, but Crocodile Dundee two was going to be a tough one to 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 beat. And then Bull Durham wasn't expected to be very big either. So um, yeah. Now Bull Durham, I mean, I don't really consider Bull Durham to be a to be a big movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it may have made a lot of money. I don't know. It did okay. Like we've, we've, I've, I've done that. I've, done, I've covered that one on my podcast. So it, it did. For, it's like a lot of ones we talk about. It did, it did okay in the box office, but really got its footing with cable and VHS became uh, more popular. You know, a couple of years later. Yeah, Bull Durham reminds me of the same type of movie we're talking about now. Like if it come out against the same competition, like it would mm-hmm. probably do just as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe expected to do more. But didn't, but had so much competition up against it that it just was great to get what it got. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So just to give you an idea, like we're talking about Big was not expected to be as big of a hit. Big. Um, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I was reading it wrong. Okay. So Big was in second place the week before, but it had a 40% increase from week one to week two. So it actually did better in the box office its second week than its first week. So, I, the word of mouth got out about it probably yeah. about how good it was. And Tom Hanks was a popular actor anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, now I, I want to say as far as big, when I saw it the opening weekend for big, I thought it looked mm-hmm. good when I saw the previews. For it. I wanted yeah. to watch it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, also just to throw a couple of names out there. Before I go to uh, take a break here in just seconds, we're going to play your ad like we do midway of the show. You get to hear your own voice, man, (laughs) while you're on here with us. You're going to love it. Um, We had uh, the love interest to one of the kids, Lucy Deacons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we have somebody else that stood out to me was Britt Leach. Um, Played the character of Reg. I'm trying to remember who Reg was. Was he the the guy that got hit by lightning? Or was that Herm? Oh, Reg was the one that got hurt, hit by lightning. Yes, that's okay. Him. That was so funny when they were talking mm-hmm. to him about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for someone to get <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he tried to say, "How many times have you been hit?" He's like six times, six 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 times. Yeah, in in the head. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And let's not forget Robert Prosky, who played Wally, the yes the. He's uh, he's been in a ton of stuff as well. Oh my! You know what he's? Oh, what is it? He stands out to me. You know, I got to look him up now, real quick, because he stands out to me. There's this one movie that comes to mind with him. I can see it in my mind, and I just can't say the he, name of it. I know Mrs. Doubtfire. Miss, uh, Mrs. He was a judge of Mrs. Doubtfire, wasn't he? No, he was. It wasn't. Uh, no, oh, the TV exec. The TV. Oh, he was the TV character that was. They were getting rid of him. And so that's the one that when they, he was going to retire, uh, Robin Williams became the Mrs. Doubtfire became the character took over. I think I'm pretty sure that's what I'm, that's correct. Right. Let me make sure that's what I'm thinking of. Also, he's yeah. also okay, a judge on miracle, Thir- miracle on 34th street. Okay. That might be what you ju- remember. Judge from, I yeah. the judge from Rudy. He was father Kavanaugh mm-hmm. and Rudy. Yep. So I've seen, I know for sure I saw him in that. Um, he was the judge in the natural. He played I guess he's played a couple of judges. Yeah, lots of TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um 
Of course, there's the great outdoors. There is Hill Street Blues and the Natural. He was a judge in the Natural. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was in Gremlins 2, the new batch, as Grandpa Fred. He was, but that's not where I'm thinking of him okay. from. It had to have been, I, I, I want to say it was, gosh, um, I thought Mrs. Doubtfire, I, I, I thought he was some kind of a, um, Exec of some sort for the TV thing, but I was, I, and well, also maybe, the maybe, maybe I'm getting it mixed up. Maybe that, maybe that, maybe I'm getting him that mixed up with uh, Gremlins 2. It says he's Mr. Lundy mm-hmm. and Mrs. Doubtfire. I thought Mr. Lundy was the guy who um, thought he was funny and hired him in or something like that. I haven't watched Mrs. Doubtfire in so long though, so I can't yeah, really say for sure. It's, it's been a couple of years since, since I watched it. So. But he, but his face stands out too. Oh yeah, but he's yeah, been in a ton bro. of stuff. Like you said, he's done a lot of lot of TV, several movies. As uh, Nicholas would say, he's one of those that guys. It's that guy. <laughs> it's that guy. You know that guy from that show, mm-hmm. um, right? Him. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> oh, uh, and then Lucy Deacons, uh, as I mentioned, I don't. Um, she just she's done a few things, but I don't think she's done a lot. Though she's another one of those that kind of disappeared and didn't do much of anything else i think yeah. she fell off after 90 from 93 to 2002 it says she did two orders uh two episodes of law and order mm-hmm. she's and, an a, she's an attorney now yeah she's uh she went from acting to being an attorney but i remember her from the boy who could fly which was a big it was not a big movie at the movie theaters but it was one on video vhs that i know my sister watched a thousand times and i probably watched 500 times but it does ring a bell to me. I think I've yeah. seen it. It's pretty good. It's kind of a fantasy, you know, teenage movie, kind of serious. Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. So when when she showed up in Great Outdoors, that's what I remembered her from because I'd seen her in The Boy Who Could Fly before that. Um, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to go ahead and get this ad in here. This is our mid-roll that we have. Uh, there you go. A very popular person, by the way, everybody. This is a guy that we're going to have talking in here. You may recognize <laughs> his voice, okay? Um, could be that he's on the show currently with us. Could be. I, I don't know. Could be something. Could be anything. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to play this through. And just so you know, Tim, as I'm playing it through, it does pick up background noise. So I will be quiet. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the show today, but bear with me just one moment while I get a quick word in from a good friend of the show of ours, Tim, at 80s Flicks Flashbacks. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s Flick Flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. And since Travis is not here, mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite Every part. week. Every week. Never <laughs> fails. Not to mention the couple of weeks where he forgot that it picks up background noise and he's back here going... <laughs> I don't know if you listen to every episode. Probably not, because we are so busy with our own stuff and everything. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to hear each other's every episode of our. I'm way be- I'm way behind on all my friends' podcasts. I, so. I, I end up what I have to end up having to do is pick and choose a lot of times because mm-hmm. I really want to hear some of the stuff and I'll, I'll, I'll go listen to it and everything. You had this really cool episode of National Lampoon's European Vacation. <laughs> That's a really cool guy you had on there. Yeah, yeah, he's um, a good guy. Yeah, I mean, does does Family Feud and everything? He was great. Um, <laughs> the other guy was fair. No. Um, but anyway, um, Travis was like, "Sorry, Tim, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize it's making noise." It's all good. It's all good. 
And and then uh, of course the first couple times we played it, I screwed up because I forgot about the end of it where you were oh. doing the Ferris Bueller <laughs> bit, and I started talking. And I was like, "What am I doing?" Right, right. So I, I I cut it out and replayed it back again as just a add in, you know. Fix it in it, post. You know. Fix it in so, post. You know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. So why, uh, that's why I don't do live shows. It's all about the editing. Oh, you know what? I mean, I, I want to do live sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did my wrestling podcast before this, uh, we did live. And mm-hmm. It had a call-in number you could call in if you wanted to and everything. And some of our friends would call in from our uh, wrestling groups. They'd call in to us and mm-hmm. throw some questions out there or participate a little bit. Um, I think eventually it kind of got out of control, <laughs> out of hand. Yeah. You know, We end up sometimes having four and five people trying to talk at once on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um that you know, but live is still kind of fun. Um I'd prefer live audio over live video. It's just me, but mm-hmm. um, you know, you could do live video with this stream yard we we go through and everything if you wanted to. I'm just not that big on it. Um some fun things about this movie. I'm I'm, I'm reading something on here. This is not any of the trivia yet or anything really, but this is like a review that somebody did. Okay. And before I read the review, just to put it out there so everybody knows that uh, John Hughes was writer of the movie, mm-hmm. but the director was Howard Deutsch. Right. And fun fact we mentioned earlier to each other, um, and I only knew this from listening to yet another <laughs> podcast that we both like to listen to, mm-hmm. which I, I don't mind throwing their name out. I do it quite often. It's Buzz in the Tower. You Max and like Mo. Max and Mo. Mo and Max. Mm-hmm. Max. As you hear to do my best Mo imitation, <laughs> replacing replacing Tango and Cash and Cash and Tango with Mo and Max and Max and Mo. Uh, Buzz in the Tower, B U Z Z in the Tower. Yep. They do a lot of good eighty stuff. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. they have a completely different show than what I have, and different than what Tim has. We're all right. three different flavors mm-hmm. of the same thing. So, right. depending on what you like to listen to, you might like them. So, give them a check and see what you think on but uh howard deutsch was on their show and he is married to leah thompson mm-hmm. and you don't talk much about 80s without hearing the name leah thompson mentioned correct correct yep they met while he was directing her in uh some kind of wonderful which was yeah. the second movie he directed that was written by john hughes he did pretty in pink mm-hmm. some kind of wonderful and this was the third one he did yes yes and this here from a review says um it's getting so that you can spot a John Hughes script from 50 miles away anymore or 50 miles off anymore. They said the great outdoors is his, he'd have trouble disowning this one. It has his earmarks all over it. So mm-hmm. tell me if this sounds right to you. Slapstick chaos, mm-hmm. like home alone, for example, teen love, like pretty in pink mm-hmm. animals with human tendencies, 101 Dalmatians. And thick-headed adults, just about all his movies. <laughs> That's what it says. And then, of course, the laughs are there to be had. Candy and Aykroyd, as the feuding brothers are, of course, brother-in-laws, mm-hmm. are extremely funny, and their chemistry works well here. Uh, Pharisee and Benning do well as their long-suffering wives. Um, even Prosky serves up laughs as the campground proprietor. So they they say you can tell a John Hughes film from a mile away, and I, I guess you probably could. Yeah, I don't think that I knew when I watched this that this was really a John Hughes movie. I think I see more of it now as I've gotten older. But two of the movies he referenced, like Home Alone and 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. wasn't even made when this movie came out. So he's obviously watching it much later than when it was released. So that's I'm not sure. a fair. I don't think that's a fair critique, in my opinion. To uh, me, to me, when I think John Hughes, I just think of you know teen. Yeah, exactly. And everything teen, teen mm-hmm. angst, teen love, teen yeah. whatever. You know, right. I mean, it's all mostly about the coming of age teen movies. What mm-hmm. I think of when I think of him. Yeah. Now I would think this is more of like a mix of vacation, which the with the kind of the bumbling adults and the slapstick and the you know the 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 jokes and the the funny aspects of that, and then the teenage love story kind of. Kind of uh, uh, molding some of that into it, but that the you know knowing that John Hughes wrote the first Vacation, I think it's more a combination of those two genres more so than the other things he mentioned. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and the humor in this is great. Um, mm-hmm. When when they're at the cabin and they're talking about cooking out, and John mm-hmm. Candy wants to do, you know, Chet wants to do hot dogs. <laughs> he wants to right. grill some hot dogs. Let's grill some dogs, you know. Mm-hmm. And Dan Aykroyd's Roman's character is like, well, no, huh? mm-hmm. ain't no family member of mine in a, in a cabin that I have going to have hot dogs. You know, mm-hmm. it's not even his cabin to begin with. Right, right. right. He, he crashed. Just showed up. He right. crashed. He shows up unannounced. Mm-hmm. Oh, they'll love to see us. They'll be tickled. Right. Right. No, there was not. Um, but um, he gets lobster tails, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. later that night, you get your first visit from the raccoons in the movie. <laughs> the raccoons are so awesome. The subtitles are great. But before we get to that right there, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're doing the lobster tails, and Roman's character is like, he's like, um, would you believe this guy here want to do hot dogs? I mean, mm-hmm. you know what those things are made of, don't you? They're like lips and buttholes. Right, right. And that's putting it nicely. It's not how you said it in the movie. No, no, so that's, that's, that, that's the, the TV nice edit. That's the TV the t- edit. Exactly. The TV <laughs> edit. I mean, those are little hot dogs. They're made of lips and buttholes. Well, later that night, the raccoons come here for the first time and they turn the cans over and they're like, they, they're like, look, mom, there's Illinois plates. And they're like, well, if they're from Chicago, we're going to eat good tonight. Mm-hmm. They turn the cans over and they're like, look, lobster tail. And the other one turns one over and says, oh, and a crap ton of hot, of raw hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And the other one goes, you know, there's a made of lips and buttholes, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then the thought that they could keep the raccoons out by putting rocks on top of the trash yeah. can. Oh, yeah, they yeah. They come the next night, and they're like, oh, that's original. Rocks on the trash cans. We'll just that push ne- that over. <laughs> yeah, that never works, right? Yeah. Then they talk about another night to come by, and they, where are the trash cans? <laughs> I bet they put them in the house. They're like. Who puts trash cans in their house? They say, well, they're not, they're not the cleanest animals in the world, you know. <laughs> yeah, whoever had, whoever had the idea for that, mm-hmm. was, that, that was good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the Lakeside restaurant used in this movie was Ducey's Bar and Grill mm-hmm. in Bass Lake, California. I'm assuming it's Bass Lake, um, which burned to the ground shortly after filming due to a gas fire. That's sad. Mm-hmm. That is the, re- the rebuilt restaurant today, though, has posters and memorabilia from the film hanging on its walls as a reminder of the old restaurant. That would be kind of a cool thing to see if Very you're nice. Very actually nice. on vacation in an area like that. I mean, you definitely want to make a visit to that and take pictures and such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was heavily panned by critics and failed to make a profit at the box office. See, that's why I wondered earlier, what's a profit for a movie technically? I mean, it doubled, right? So what's considered? Um, a, I don't think what's it considered quite profitable doubled. at that point. I mean, it didn't quite double. It was just under double. It was forty three, yeah. and double would have been forty eight. So it's five million under yeah. double. But what? It, I think at what some, point yeah. is it considered a financial success? Sorry, <sighs> the yawn caught me at the wrong time. Uh, In other yeah, words, he yeah, says he don't, don't know. No, he's tired. <laughs> Leave him alone, people. No, I think I think doubling is like the bare minimum. I mean, I think if you break even, you do okay. But I think too, it's it's expectations. I think there's certain with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, two com- comedic actors who have had hits in the past. Putting those two characters together, I think they expected the expectation of the profit to be much higher than just doubling the the budget. So that's yeah. probably and sometimes their salaries aren't necessarily put into the budget so you have and our marketing and things of that nature so it depends on how much they spent on those things as well that aren't technically part of the movie the filming budget it's other yeah. other costs as well travis and i've discussed that before and we were wondering to ourselves we've never actually looked this up and researched it i'm gonna have to one of these days just so i can get this in my mind and know but when we say budget it's budgeted for 24 million dollars hmm. like you just said maybe and all this stuff and does it include salaries for everybody? Does it include mm-hmm. your marketing and advertising for the movie trailer and right. posters and everything else you're getting out there? If it doesn't cover all that and you're hoping that you can make that money back up off the box office sales and then let's say $24 million is what it costs to make the movie itself, then you had to pay, uh, we'll just throw numbers out there, like uh, $3 million to... Uh, John Candy and three million to Dan Aykroyd, and mm-hmm. you know one point five million to uh, the Pharisee, the first uh, John Candy's wife, and then a million to Net Benning because it's their debut movie, or 
I don't know. Just Stoney's out there. And that all adds up. And then you find out after they pay all of that and they recoup their money from the advertising and they only made like $5 million off the movie. Right, right. I can see that being considered mm-hmm. a flop at that point. Yeah. I, I I would hope that they include, though, the salaries and stuff in yeah. the budgeting for making the movie. Yeah. Well, you got to think, too. It's like the you have investors, like the studio invests in the movie. So they're putting that money into the budget but they're expecting a, a high return off of that investment. So even if it doubles, depending on how many studios or producers you have, that gets split into, you know, into all those different people's pockets. So if it doesn't bring them a certain amount of profit, then it's, they don't consider it profitable because then they're less likely to invest in, in a future project, either with the director, the writer, the stars, whatever, those kind of things. So, yeah. It'd be something yeah. interesting to really research kind of more deep diving into. I mean, I'm just kind of putting some things together I've heard here and there, but I've never really researched it all the way out. But. Yeah. Well, it says here, now you always wonder what people are like behind the scenes. Yeah. According, according to the Madeira County Film Commission of the County of California, in which Bass Lake, where the movie was filmed, Annette Benning was very demanding and hard to work with. Dan Aykroyd was polite to most of the Bass Lake staff during filming, but was reportedly very aloof and difficult to the local townspeople who were either fans or participated as extras in the movie. John Candy, who had a reputation for being very approachable and friendly in real life, was reported to have gotten along with everyone. The townspeople said he was a joy to work with. I've always heard good things about John Mm -hmm. Candy. Yeah, absolutely. On him, I have, so. We were talking one night, you and I were about uh, Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were doing, uh, what was it, Three Amigos? Last time yeah, you I think, were on? Uh, well, we did European Vacation, too. So we, we talked about him on both of those. Yes, yes. And, uh, and they, they say he's kind of hard to work with in times mm-hmm. and everything. But I've always heard John Candy was very approachable and very easy to get along with and work with and everything. Right. Which will be, which is nice. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the big, when you think of great outdoors, we're getting close time for the podcast to end here. So yep. we'll get your opinion on it. Um, get your opinion on this, and we're talking about some favorite scenes in the movie. Cool. But uh, when you hear The Great Outdoors, what's the first thing that comes to mind about the movie? <laughs> Big Bear. Big Bear. Big Bear, chase me. Big Bear. Big Bear, chase me. That is my that that is my line from the movie that I always remember is Bart. And then when he gets, when he gets shot and his bear butt is, you know, shot, that, that, those are two of the two scenes that probably – I remember the most. Oh my gosh, the bear butt. Oh, yeah. That, that that thing I was reading a while ago uh, when I read the, uh, they were talking about how you could tell it was a, a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, it said, and you had to feel for, you had to feel bad for the bald bear at the end. Then he goes, <laughs> then he goes, see what I did there? Because <laughs> now he's bald on, on both, both ends. ends yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. The old 96er stands out to me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely why, one of the iconic scenes for sure. Yes, that's that's why I was telling you when I was asking when I was asking Tim could he step in on the show this week mm-hmm. and uh, we were discussing what movie to do. Yeah. We we, <laughs> we we came up with this one and I said just whatever you do don't get some don't be sitting down eating some old 96er before you come in and call out right. on me or something, you know, cuz you're too sick to talk. Yeah, yeah. But that, that that thing, and then it, it's it's so funny when you see him eating the last bite, <laughs> and then Eckhart's like, "Well, there you go, he did it. You know, mm-hmm. he did it. All right." And the guy's like, "He ain't even close, done. Right? There's yet. still he's stuff like, on the plate. Yeah, there's nothing yeah, but like, grizzle and fat, grizzle and fat. Yeah, it's just grizzle fat." And he looks at him, and then the look on John Candy's face—I mean, <laughs> it was priceless. It's almost like sheer terror. Yeah, and, he's like, "I can't." Like, I can't, I can't do it. Maybe, I don't know if you do. And he's like, right. if, I, if I get a dessert down him too, can we get some t-shirts and stuff for the kids? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this is kind of leading into favorite scenes, I guess, as we yeah, get here now. Because, I mean, that just, so if you, uh, if you had to pick an absolute favorite scene from the movie. I have a few. So of course, big bear that, that the bear coming into the cabin is one of my favorites. Um, I love the speedboat where he's calling him a name that sounds like faster. Yeah. He wants to go faster. Yeah. You know, faster. And, okay. Yeah. And so then he's, you know, skiing on one ski and uh, the ramps that he jumps that look like brush are so evident, you know, it's those, I remember, I remember noticing that as a kid. 
Um, yeah. That that whole scene is really funny to me. But the scene that, and this is probably like I said, there's a story that why this one is is like a favorite of the family. So the bat in the ca- in the cabin, yes, is probably my family. That's probably the scene that we laughed the hardest. But it's a memory that I don't remember. So when we lived in Maryland around the same time the movie came out, a bat got into our house and I think it came down the chimney and it was the middle of the night. I slept through everything. I have no recollection of this happening, <laughs> but I've heard the stories of my sister, and my mom saying that my dad was, you know, with a broom, uh, you know, a, a, a basket over his head. Like what the, what they did is almost, they, but the movie came out after this. So when they saw it in the movie, they're like, Oh my gosh, someone saw my dad trying to get this bat out of the house and trying to like fan it with a broom and, all that kind of stuff. So every time the bat scene comes on, I get so excited because I'm like, this is, this is like true representation of my dad. If it would have been my dad and one of his friends trying to get the bat out of our house. So that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that scene is forever emblazoned in my mind because of, uh, of what happened in our, in our actual house. So, uh, yeah. but so many great, I mean, that's just, those are, those are like the high points or so many other great moments in the movie that are fun. Um, but those are the three that that stand out the most to me. I think. What about you? Uh, when you mentioned you know Big Bear, Big Bear, right? I, it, it it cracks me up when the bear has pushed the door down and now yeah. he's on top of him. But yeah. what's funny about it is is the bear is bouncing up and down on the door mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like he's he's like don't you don't <laughs> you shot me in the right. head, right? Right. It's like he's there tapping the floor, going, Uncle. Mm-hmm. Uncle and the right, bear walks right. off and leaves him. Um, uh, the ski scene is was uh, the ski scene always stood out to me because I remember he said he's teaching the kid the safety and the basics of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's he's so knowledgeable about skiing, right? And he's like, <laughs> you know, and all right, you're here and you're going and things are going great, but oh, there's trouble coming. What do you do? There's trouble. But he goes, um, and he's like, you let go of the handle. That's all you got to do. Right, right. Yeah. So they're like, <laughs> they're yelling back at him. Are you going to take all day with this or what? Mm-hmm. So he's like waving at him like it's right, right, right here. And like, oh, he's so ready. He, he's going to go. Right. Oh, he's yeah. going to go. Yeah, he's yeah. waving at us. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he hits the thing and takes off. And man, he's skiing right down the wooden thing. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. his butt slides across it too, don't he? <laughs> yeah. At the the very end, yeah. Splinters yeah. in his butt or something. But he's doing all this crazy fancy stuff out there by accident. And it looks like he knows what he's doing in a sense. Like he's jumping, his feet fly out, and he comes back down and lands and loses a ski, and he's skiing on one foot now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, faster. Well, that's not what he said. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. But uh, but what was really what really stood out to me was as soon as he takes off and falls off the pier and he's on the water, the kid's mm-hmm. like, let, let go, go of the rope. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so yeah. The, those kind of stand out to me. Uh, uh Overall, I mean that that's probably just the, the main thing for me because everything else um, is is just great funny stuff. The bear mm-hmm. getting shot in the butt and the, the hair getting knocked off his butt is humorous mm-hmm. for sure. That's, that's going to stand up make anybody laugh. But I mean, everything else just kind of I don't want to say it was all equally as funny to me, but I laughed about the whole movie. So oh, I, yeah. I, it's yeah. it's kind of hard to narrow down something that super stands out over everything else. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. really do that, but. Anyway, uh, it's been um, looks like we're you know dragging up the tail end of the show here at this point, Tim. And yeah. I don't want to keep you on all night long, and <laughs> because uh, Tim is tired, I, I can see, you guys can't see him right now. I can see him, <laughs> and he's either tired or high, one or the other. No, I'm, 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 I'm tired. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with tired because I think I know him better than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway. We uh, make sure you check us out uh, on, like I said earlier, social media. We're on Instagram and we're at uh, Facebook Retro Life for You, the number four Y O U. We have a web page, uh, www.retrolife, the number four, the letter U.com. You can listen to the po- uh, podcast straight from the website and uh, go check that out. Look everything over. It's a pretty good place to go. You can uh, also click on uh, iTunes, Spotify. Google Music, Amazon, wherever you listen to it normally, we're going to be there. As Travis always says, where are we not at these days? It's <laughs> like, 
same thing for Tim. Make sure you give Tim a listen. 80s Flicks Flashback. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great show. Different perspective than what we do. He goes a lot more in-depth. Good information on the movies and everything. It's very fun. And uh, Tim, I want to thank you for coming on again this week, man. It's been great. It's always fun having you on. Uh, I keep telling Travis I'm going to replace him with you one of these days <laughs> as soon as you get less busy. Whew. He just laughs at me as usual. Right, right. Like you're doing now. That's fine. Just Probably. like whatever. Always always a pleasure to be on the show. <laughs> always glad to, to get the call, especially when you get to watch a fun movie like this. Yes, definitely a fun movie. All right, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you have any questions or comments about this show today, email me at retrolife the number four you at gmail.com. And if we get some good stuff, then we'll read it over the air call your name out and everything. Uh, something you want to hear or see us do, let us know that as well. And we'll see what we can do on that. So once again, Tim, thanks a lot. Everybody have a great day. 